And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, well, in one of the biggest games of the season, the Buffalo Bills just could not uh, get anything going, really, on the offensive side of the ball. And by the time that they did, they couldn't punch it into the end zone and had a few uh, defensive gaffes mixed in along the way. The Bills lose to the Patriots by a score of 14-10. to now a game and a half behind the Patriots in the AFC East, and it is looking grim at the moment if the Bills want to win the division and get back into consideration for, you know, a home field playoff game, uh, maybe even the top seed. Uh, but that feels very far from where the team is right now after yet another inconsistent showing and we're here to break it all down for you. Welcome into the Buffalo Beat, everyone. My name is Joe Biscaglia. With me on this post-game edition, as always, is Matt Beauvais. He is the sports director at Channel 7, WKBW in Buffalo. And uh, yeah, I, I think we we came into this game knowing that it was probably going to be a low-scoring slog. Whether the way these two teams played, uh, how Bill Belichick aims to make your weakness your the the prime part of your game plan and that's kind of what we saw unfold today and now the bills are sitting here seven and five seventh in the playoff race uh one of our colleagues put it this way the Miami Dolphins are only a game and a half behind the bills right now that's wild and that's the bills blew out the Dolphins twice so Matt Beauvais, where do we start? This is, we have so much to talk about. Um, you know what's funny though, is after that entire game that we just watched, the thing at the top of my head is the Sean McDermott press conference. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is recency bias because it just happened, but I thought that was about as candid and about as pissed off as we've heard Sean maybe ever. He had a lot on his mind and he shared a lot and I do not think that anything he does is unintentional I think that he wanted to send some messages and I think he sent them pretty loud and clear and I think the biggest one and I want to get your opinion on this was what he said when asked about Brian Dable our friend Matt Perino from New York Upstate asked if Brian Dable was doing a good enough job and he you know, normally he says we all need to be better we've all got to do our 111th we need to do this we need to do this and he gave a legit answer. I don't want to get the quote wrong, but he basically said that they left way too much out there, quite honestly. And they did. And that was pretty telling. That That's a really big thing because he was also asked, what did you think of Josh Allen's game? And he went with the typical, well, everybody's got to be better. There were a lot of people who made drops around him. There were missed opportunities. We lost so everybody could be better, but I'm not putting it on him. I assumed we would get the same thing when we were talking about Brian Dable, but that is not what he did. No, certainly not. Um, yeah, the McDermott press conference was one of the more interesting ones of the year, without That's question. Um, the Jaguars one comes to mind mm -hmm. as another one. It's usually these just these eye-opening losses that we get the best out of McDermott. And that, you know, we've been... This is the the fifth year that we've gotten to know Sean McDermott, and that's usually uh, those types of games are usually when he wants to get his message across. And the Dable thing was was very interesting. Now I don't know that this is uh, you know a Carolina Panthers fire Joe Brady situation. I don't think it's anything close to that because the Bills' passing attack has still been a fairly 
prolific unit this season. Um, they've been able to teams have been able to take them away at spots. It hasn't been as overwhelming as it was a year ago uh, to the point in which that they haven't been able to operate in clutch games or in in close games, I should say. The Bills are, by the way, this is a separate of Brian Dable, the, that conversation. The Bills are winless in close games. It scores in games that uh, have been decided by seven points or fewer. Winless. Yeah. And last year, they were very good in that area where they always felt like, and, and you can't always predict that, like you can't be a great team at this because some of it is random and some of it is regression to the mean. But we have seen this team to the point in which it has become an outright trend this season where they are not performing up to the capabilities that they have set for themselves when the game is on the line. And it raises a lot of questions about how good this team actually is. And we touched on this, what was it? The the Jets, I don't even freaking remember. They all blend now. The, the, the ceiling versus the, yes. the yes. ceiling versus the expectations. I think the ceiling is lowered now, quite honestly, because yep. now with this loss, and this is not, we've been very careful this entire season to not say sky is falling, anything like that. But this is as damning of a moment as there has been over the last few years. Mm -hmm. Because now you're sitting there a game and a half down from the Patriots. The Patriots, by the way, their schedule is not that difficult. They've got a game with the Colts, and then they've got three laughers and maybe one other one that could be a Mm toss-up. The Bills... Oh, the the Bills the Bills, Yeah. yeah. The Bills have... The Super Bowl champion Buccaneers on the road. They've got the AFC East leading at New England Patriots on the road. And then they've got three games that they should win at home against the Falcons, Panthers, and Jets. So when you have all of these opportunities throughout the season against these teams who are right there in the AFC playoff mix, the Steelers, the Patriots, Mm -hmm. Colts. Well, the Colts, they got blown out. The Titans. The Titans. You have three prime opportunities to completely change the outlook of your season. Yep. And when push comes to shove, at the end of a game, you are unable to get the job done. And Sean McDermott's frustrated about that. He's frustrated that the offense isn't getting it together when they need to. He's frustrated that the defense is having laps in spots. Like the, he mentioned the 64-yarder can't happen, can't happen, but it, it, did. It, it did. But it did. And it just goes to show that everything that people thought of this team going into the season was a bit inflated. And you can, I mean, you. it's hard not to... Hard not to see, okay, well, they went to the AFC Championship game a year ago. But teams evolve. Teams get better from year to year. They work on their weaknesses to a grand degree. And what did the Bills really do in the offseason? They did status quo. Mm -hmm. And they added two pass rushers. One of which is having a tough time getting on the field for a game day roster. He He was up today. And the other is a non-factor as a pass rusher. And he's he's a good run defender, but you didn't draft Trent Murphy at 30th overall. Mm-hmm. So what is this team better at this year? And I think what we've seen is teams around the league in these clutch situations. And so, again, some of it is random. It's not always going to be, uh, you know, black and white. It's There's a lot of gray here. Mm-hmm. So what we've seen are these teams, the Steelers, by the way, who I don't think are good, they caught up to the Bills a little bit. The Titans caught up to the Bills. Mm-hmm. The, Patri- the Patriots passed the Bills. <laughs> the Bills. So it, it, it goes deep here to where, I don't know, it's, it, this feels like a bit of a fork in the road. And I think... How they respond in Tampa Bay is going to be extremely telling. Now, if they come out and they win that game, I mean, I think I think that is as big of a response as one could can think. 
If they lose a close game, still a good response. If they go down to Tampa and get their doors blown off, then we need to start having a conversation about what, what the Bills look like in 2022. I think, after everything that you just said, I think the Bills were so focused about trying to build a roster to beat the Kansas City Chiefs that they forgot. To, I don't want to say they forgot that there were a lot of glaring problems that this team still has, and they are getting pointed out basically every time we see them on the field. They don't have a ton of physicality. They get beat at the line of this at line of scrimmage. They can't run the ball. They really don't do a good job stopping the run. And when you look at all of the things that Kansas City does well, it feels like okay, the Bills were like, all right, well, we got to get faster on defense, and we got to try and rush the passer, and we got to make sure we do this, and we got to do this. And now it's becoming very evident that this team has problems. And I think both, I think most of their problems start at the line. And I, I know that this has been a term that's been thrown around. People are asking, are the Bills soft? Or is there a lack of physicality? I don't know how you can watch a game like we watched last night against the Patriots and say that they're not a, they're not a physical team. They get beat up. I mean, what were the Patriots averaging like six yards a run and the Bills knew they were going to run? I do not think that this is all on the defense. I mean, they only gave up 14 points. There is something to be said there. But I do think that's a big problem. And then offensively, way, way too many mistakes. And one of the things that really drove me crazy about this game was it felt like there was opportunities that they just didn't take advantage of. I do not know why they were not rushing Josh Allen more. I feel like he could have been a weapon on the ground and that could have been a potential mismatch. They didn't take advantage of that. And I hated that they tried to establish the run early and they continued to do it, even though they were having much more success when they were passing the ball. This is why you have Josh Allen. So he can throw it in situations like this. And they actually had some success moving the ball. And then ultimately they stalled out by taking stupid penalties, having drops. There were some mistakes from Allen. Oh, and it was trying to run the ball. Like, come on. They cannot run the ball at all. And we've talked about Matt Breda has fumble problems. Well, we saw it again today. Devin Singletary didn't do a whole lot of anything. Zach Moss had a nice run on third and two, gets him a first down. Besides that, wasn't really much there. A lot of running into the back of the offensive line again. They don't have a running back. They had way too many. I mean, Dawson Knox had his worst game of the year. It, it was just a mess on both sides of the ball today. I think, well, to your point, Zach Moss was their best running back today. I know, and that's a problem. <laughs> that's a problem. I mean, he he made a couple of nice catches, but you know, it, it's just the running game isn't there. And after the game... Like we we have been talking about this a lot. This was telling what he said to you about the running game, and so ask I asked Sean McDermott point blank at this point in the season after we've been talking about it again and again and again and again about not being able to get the run game going. Sean Sean McDermott, uh, I I I asked him, can it be fixed? And we're gonna try and put microphone to audio so you can hear it. We're going to try our darnest to fix it. It's, it's tough, Joe. I'm not going to sit up here and lie to you guys. I mean, to, to fix that part of a game, of your game, this 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 part of the year is is tough. You know, that's why we try like heck to do it in training camp. That's where you develop the toughness of the football team, and that's why we run the football in training camp. So when you when you hear Sean McDermott say these things, I think this goes into the Brian Dable conversation. Because all I hear, when I hear Sean McDermott talk about needing to be more physical, needing to establish the ground game, all of these different things, it is almost as though there are two butting heads here. Because Brian Dable, the one thing that he is extremely good at is he is very adept at understanding the personnel of his offensive roster and formulating a game plan around the strengths of his roster. And Sean McDermott is very old school in a certain way to where he believes that you must need physicality at the line of scrimmage. He believes that you need to be able to impose your will on the defensive line and you need to be able to run the ball 
to uh, to be able to open things up. Now, he doesn't... I, I don't think McDermott says you have to run the ball as much as you throw it. I think his viewpoint is trying to uh, trying to get the defense to know that a t- the team can run the ball when they do run it. And the other times when you don't run it, utilize play action to where you are constantly having that run threat go and go and go. And we've seen a lot of back and forth stuff happen throughout the throughout the years. Like when Brian Dable first took over, they they did a lot of pin and pull, uh, a lot of uh, athletic sort of blocking maneuvers. And it really played to the strengths of a guy like Mitch Morse. Mm-hmm. But the offseason after that, they focused on the same type of offensive lineman, bar none, power, 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 power. Quentin Spain, uh, John Feliciano, uh, Cody Ford, Daryl Williams, Spencer Brown. Uh, all of these different assets that they have added to their offensive line have all been this power down physicality sort of thing. And what they're basically trotting out there from a week-to-week basis is just kind of a, a, a schmozzle of offensive linemen who excel in different blocking principles. And that can work in some capacity, but when you continue to try and change who you think you are and what you think you need to be, you're you're not going to have a ton of success because then you're just constantly changing the goalposts from from uh, and you know shifting the goalposts, not being a pun because the wind basically <laughs> the wind was shaking them. almost blew them over. So now it comes to a philosophical debate between the head coach and the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. What is most important here? And need I remind you that back in 2017, there was a philosophical question between Rick Dennison and Sean McDermott yeah. as to why the Bills were unable to run the ball successfully in 2017 after having been one of the best teams to do it in 2016. And it's getting to a point where a lot of it has to do with the personnel because I I feel for Brian Dable in this capacity because they're giving him offensive linemen that don't perfectly mesh with how the head coach wants to do it. But he's trying to do it that way anyway, and they don't have a running back because they have to, haven't drafted or signed a running back that has been able to capitalize on these moments. So you feel for him that way, but also... From the head coach's perspective, he's the guy in charge, so you need to do your one twelfth in this <laughs> in this case, yeah. and do what the head coach wants. And now it's just—I don't even know know if power struggle is the right way to go about it, but it seems like these two guys need to get on the same page because the defense, even though they got lit up for a sixty-four yard run. The defense is not the reason that they lost this oh, game they today. Up 14 points. McCorkle Jones compl- attempted <laughs> three passes today. Yep. So, Sean McDermott and Brian Dable need to get on the same page. And if they do not, over the final five games of the season, there is a serious conversation that yeah. needs to be had. But, if they are able to, to try and find common ground, because it, it just... I know I'm hogging the mic here. I don't care. It it feels like there's just a constant moving like, hey, no, we need to do this when, when they lose. Or when they win, it's, hey, they keep, keep on doing it that way. Keep on doing it that way. It's just a constant moving of what the target is. And that has to be confusing for the players. It has yeah. to be confusing for the offensive coordinator has to be confusing for the head coach. And that's why, a big reason why, I think we have seen so much offensive inconsistency this year, even though the numbers don't say it. Uh-huh. The numbers look like, hey, everything's fine, everything's peachy, blah, blah, blah. Yep. They haven't won a close game. Yep. And when when the offense needs a clutch play in a close game, they haven't gotten it. They haven't nope. at the end of a fourth quarter. So there's some, uh, I know soul searching is a broad term, but I think there, there needs to be a, you know, a meeting of the minds to where McDermott and Dable need to get on the same page because McDermott 
not throwing him under the bus, but effectively kind of throwing him under yeah. the bus is not a great look for everybody involved. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Here's my read on every time. One of the things that drives me crazy is when they run the ball on second and 10. And legitimately, I have thought in the past that they are running the ball on second and 10 because Dable wants to show McDermott like, hey, look, we're still trying to commit to the run game. It's not something we're completely abandoning. And I think when we talk about give and take here, I think Sean McDermott's the head coach and he's ultimately going to get what he wants, but I think he needs to be the one who's giving a little bit here. And I think he needs to let Brian Dable do what he thinks is most effective with this offense and basically live with the results for the next five games. And if they don't get the results that they're ultimately looking for, then it's a different conversation in the offseason. Brian Dable knows that Josh Allen is the best player on the Bills offense and Stefan Diggs is the second best player on the Bills offense. And I'm all for being effective when you need to run the ball. But guess what? We've had this conversation for 12 consistent weeks. And besides the Miami game earlier in the year, every single week, it feels like the Bills running game has been ineffective and really underwhelming. And I think if it was up to Brian Dable, he would pretty much be throwing or having quarterback design runs all the time. But Sean wants the physicality and he wants all that stuff. And there's something to be said for that. But let Brian Dable do what he wants to do for the next five weeks and see how it plays out. It is mind-boggling to me how they do not let Allen do the things that he was doing last year. And this game is a bad example of it because it was like 30-mile-an-hour wins for the entire game. But he is their best player. Live and die with the guy you just gave $258 million to. Yeah, I, it it has to get to a point where Dable, it it's it's a difficult thing because Dable has in the past passed it a ton, and when it hasn't worked, Sean McDermott at that point is going, well, why aren't we running it more? Mm-hmm. And I honestly believe that this is what is kind of bubbling over to the surface a philosophical difference between these two guys. And not to say that it can't be solved, because I think it can. Better players will certainly help in that capacity. Right now, what they have (laughs) along, along the offensive line is a bunch of guys that are good when they're pulling and some that struggle with the athletic part of it. And then when they try to go downhill, they have guys like Mitch Morris who can't get that push up front. And then that leads to a a very low yards before contact average for running backs. You have running backs that don't have great vision or don't have great speed or can't run between the tackles. You don't have a player that can exploit and, and hide some of these issues so what is what is Dable to do at that point? It's it's not an easy answer. And I think what if there's anything that this season has unveiled, and this this game, I know we're not talking a lot about the Patriots game right now, but I think this game is indicative of such a, a deeper mm-hmm. meaning than the actual result. Because now the Bills are no longer this darling. Like, they have warts. They have these problems 
that aren't going away from one week to the next. And you can't blame it on early season stuff. Oh, oh yeah. They'll get it fixed. No, it's they have five games remaining. And if they don't win at least three of them, they might not make it to the playoffs. Yep. So it is well past the point of them thinking they can figure it out. And I really liked Sean McDermott's answer about the about the run game because yeah, you're right. It's damn hard to fix it. But play to your strengths. Yeah. I'm with you. If this is what your team is, go live and die with Josh Allen throwing the ball and being the pinnacle of your offense. Uh-huh. Also make smarter decisions on fourth downs. Make smarter decisions on two-point conversions. Make smarter decisions when, you know, challenging a, a quarterback sneak. Mm-hmm. Even even McDermott after the fact was like, hey, you know, I, you, I know that's probably not the best. Option. Why, why did you challenge it? What are you what are you thinking? What what are you doing there? So I get they've they've got problems. They need to figure it out. But I think what we are seeing unfold is that this is a wild card team. Yep. Nothing more, nothing less. And they're going to need to get hot right before the playoffs because I don't think the Patriots are going to necessarily give up that division lead. No. But it's possible that they do. The Bills would just have to get hot. A win over Tampa Bay shuts all of this up. Changes a lot. But this is a critical point now moving forward. And yeah, it's, it's, it's not about soul searching anymore. It's about results and figuring out the best way from point A to point B and point A being the start of a game and point B being victory. That's it. Have they come from behind in a game to get a win this year? I don't believe they have. I mean, who, who I mean, like, I mean, like, yeah, like, team gets field goal, start the game. But I don't think they have ever legitimately erased a deficit of any significance more than three points in one a game. If we want to get deeper into the, into their season, give me one win that was impressive outside of Kansas City. None. Literally none. They beat Jacoby Brissett. Mm-hmm. They beat Trevor Simeon. They beat Tua in his first game back. Yep. They beat Mike White. Taylor Heineke. Who am I missing here? I'm missing somebody. So they beat. They beat seven. It was Miami. Yeah, then I got it was the Washington. Two. Washington. Then it was Houston. Oh, Davis Mills. How can we forget Davis How can Mills? How forget Davis Mills? And then the other one's Mahomes. So other than the Kansas City game, like this is this is a hollow seven and five. And, oh. And to their credit, oh, oh. to their credit, they they crushed the teams that they needed to in those in those situations. Yeah, but what does that matter when we're talking about the playoffs? If they can't win a close game, it's not like they're crushing any teams that are in the playoffs, mm-hmm. especially if they're going into a wild card situation. I mean, the way that this is looking like now, they're probably going to be on the road for a wild card game. And not to go too big picture here, the ceiling is still high because they have Josh Allen. Maybe I'm delusional. I do not expect that. I don't even expect them to win a playoff game at this point. I think they might get in, but I think they get in and they lose. And this is going to sound crazy because I know what the expectations were for this season. But you know what? If they get into the playoffs and they lose in the first round, there are going to be changes. And I think there are changes that need to be made. And that's Mm -hmm. very evident after 12 weeks. And I I know fans are going to be pulling their hair out when they hear that. But this team right now is not good enough to win a Super Bowl. No, no, they they aren't. And I think it it starts. I mean, if it's if it's McDermott, it's going to start with being able to run the ball better. And at that point of the off season, you have to decide whether or not that it's prudent for the McDermott Dable uh, relationship to continue past the season. But the counterpoint to that is Brian Dable is very good with Josh Allen. Yeah. And he has helped engineer Allen into becoming who he is. And Allen deserves the majority of the credit for that. But Dable has constantly put him in positive situations to where he can succeed. And he's brought him along the right way. So, 
it it gets to a certain point. Now, if I had to guess, I think they probably turn around slightly at the at the end of this year. Get get to ten and get to ten and seven, maybe yeah. eleven and six, and they get into the playoffs. They're a wild card team, maybe win a game, and and then they go into next season with kind of the same cast of characters but different personnel. I think they need to get younger in certain spots mm-hmm. because if we're if we're speaking honestly, the wide receivers have not been good enough this year outside of Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis and Gabriel Davis. Cole Beasley has been a step slower. Uh-huh. Emmanuel Sanders has completely fallen off. Massive drop-off since like week four. Massive. Or excuse me, week five. That was the Kansas City game. Massive drop-off. Dawson Knox has ascended into a better player this year. I think he's he's right in that above average tight end mix. Yep, I, don't they, think he, I don't think he's good. I don't think he's great. I, I don't think he's average. I think he's above average. So now you have Diggs and Gabriel Davis next year, and you've got... Cole Beasley on your books, which personally I would get out of um, and start fresh somewhere, even though I know he's been important in the past, but you can't cling to the past mm-hmm. when when something is staring at you in the face. So that's their fastball. And if their fastball isn't their fastball anymore, then you know what happens when a 98-mile-an-hour pitcher gets, a, gets to be a 36-year-old mm-hmm. uh, reliever and is thrown at 93. Mm-hmm. You know what happens at that point. Yeah. So there, there needs to be some idea sharing and figuring out there needs to be a full on plan because I think part of it too is maybe the blocking principles of offensive line coach Bobby Johnson in wanting more power based players. I don't think we can, we can excuse the fact that they let Wyatt Teller walk out of the door. <laughs> like that's that's a big part of the puzzle here. Mm-hmm. So also, it feels like, and it's not like, feels like Quentin Spain has had a little bit of a resurgence of his career in Cincinnati. And I know when he came back, he struggled, but yeah, it's probably better than Cody Ford and Ike Butker. They were they were right to bench Quentin Spain when they did. Uh, honestly, I I don't I don't mind that. You know, releasing the Wyatt Teller one is bad. Yeah, it was it was extremely bad. It was giving up on a young player, which is something that Brandon Bean usually does not do. And you know, he, I think everyone just needs to get on the same page about what the goal is of what they want their offense to be because it just it just feels so disjointed right now. Can I? I do not want to be the Josh Allen apologist. I feel like sometimes it sounds like that. I watched this game from the press box. The two of us were outside before the game for pregame shows and stuff. The wind is stupid. Like, it was stupid all game. I don't think this is a game that you're like, Josh Allen wasn't good enough. I think he was fine. I think he could have been better. I think there were plays that he left out there. But I think it was the people around him who really struggled. Mm -hmm. I I mean, there was a, a really uncharacteristic drop I don't even know if you'd call it a drop, but the deep shot to Stefan Diggs, mm-hmm. it hits him. Mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs makes that catch seven out of 10 times. It's a hard catch. And it looks like the wind was moving it a little bit in the air, but it literally hit Diggs in like the shoulder. Mm-hmm. You expect him to make that catch. Dawson Knox had a lot of problems today. He had several drops. And I know people are like, well, they're tough catches. Well, guess what? It's the NFL. Like they were throwing into the wind in those situations. Make a tough catch. Make a contested catch. There were a lot of plays that they left out there. I mean, he was 15 of 30. I know that statistically that's not great, but it was a wind tunnel down there. It was 30 miles an hour. They should have let him try and win the game, but they once again tried to run the ball and they made a bunch of mistakes. And then you had the Dawson Knox fall start penalty and you had the, oh, it's first and goal at the six. Let's run it to Zach Moss for a one yard gain. I just, I I don't understand it. And I I hate that it took them so long to be like, hey, Josh, go do your thing. Because he can throw in this. And we saw that. The throw he made down the sideline to Diggs was perfect. He had a couple nice passes to Gabriel Davis. Cole Beasley was completely in a, what did he have, like one cat? I don't. Yeah, he had the one along the sideline that got ruled out because of a penalty. But those were his his two uh, big, big moments. Yeah, like 11 yards receiving or something. Yeah, it, it, I'll, I'll look it up. But I just, I, once again, 
I am not trying to be the Josh Allen deserves none of the credit. He deserves some of the credit. He could have played better. But the narrative of this game should not be that, you know, Josh Allen lost this game or obviously Mac Jones didn't outdo old Josh Allen. And uh, I f- McCorkle. McCorkle, excuse me. McCorkle did not beat Josh. I know the national narrative tomorrow will be, you know, somewhere along those lines. I don't, I, I don't think... When I, you throw it three times. You I don't can, think anyone is going to say that Mac Jones outdueled. Well, at the uh, end of the broadcast, I had to go down so I could get live on the post-game show that we do, and I was literally listening to Monday Night Football, and one of the announcers, I don't know which one it was, was like, for a rookie quarterback to go into that environment and get a win? What? He threw it three times. I, I'm, they still lost. His three passes were... An unbelievable catch by Johnny well, Smith. Well, was, it was a high throw as he was throwing it off his back foot, and, and Johnny Smith had to make a circus catch. The uh-huh. other one was a screen pass, yeah. and the other one was a, a throw in the dirt. Yeah, those those were his three passes, but yeah, I I get where you're coming from with with Allen. I really think this is more about the macro than the micro of who screwed up today. Mm -hmm. I think it is all about getting everyone on the same page, not constantly. You know, going, okay, this week we're going to be this. This week we're going to be that. In terms of blocking philosophy, um, how you want to divvy up your game plan. 12 games into the season, going into your 13th game, you are who you are. And I'm with you. I think that they need to lean into an, an offense and a world completely revolving around Josh Allen because he is their best path to winning. He is their least path of resistance to a victory and certainly he is the uh he is the best path to avoiding a loss. When you are trying to establish the run, establish the run. 19 19 carries. Matt Breida only had one by the way and it was his was it a fumble? Uh I don't know if they they didn't count that one. They, they just called that a fumble. Um, but Singletary had 10. And his day was effectively rescued by a 17-yarder at the end of the game. To his credit. You know, nice nice, nice run. Nice little scamper. But, Pretty big hole there, though. But before that, it was 9 for 19. Huh. Um, Zach Moss, 8 of 21. and he was and, But he was their best. That's the thing. Fewer carries and higher yards than Devin Singletary. Eight of twenty-one. Eight of twenty-one, and he was their best uh, running back. And then Moss had two catches for twelve yards as well. They had eleven days to get ready for this game. Uh huh. Eleven days, and this is what they came up with. Well, I think I think they came up with things, and but yeah, yeah, it's I'm, there's there's no excusing it. They they should not have continued to do things that didn't work uh down down the stretch of it and red zone inefficiency is a part of it you know it's just i don't think that they they even have an answer as to why that they can't sneak into these these close wins it's it, it hasn't even felt like that there has been a moment where it's like Wow, what a late game shot from from them right there. There that that play, that moment has not existed this season. It's been either all or nothing. Like have they scored in the early part of the fourth quarter? Sure. They've done that. Maybe to maybe to take <laughs> not, not a ton. Take a lead here or there. But when they need a play the most, they haven't gotten it this the, year. The, not not a single time and they got it so often last year and Honestly, I think that's one of the the biggest pieces as to why fans are feeling the way that they are this year, as opposed to what it was last year. And it's it's, it's not an easy answer. And fans aren't going to want to hear that because the Bills are seven and five. People had these thoughts in their head that this was the year. This was the year that they were going to charge forward and. For it to crumble on a national stage 
against the team that has been the overlord of the division for two decades. It's got to hurt. Hasn't just crumbled once on the national stage. It's been multiple times. But this was the... Against the Patriots and now barely being in the playoffs. This was their most important game in a long time. It was something that Fairburn was texting me earlier in the week on. He said, this is the most important Bills-Patriots matchup in our lifetime. And I think there was some validity to that. In the weather played a factor, but the Bills fell short. They were... And I think the thing that's going to be so frustrating for fans is there were opportunities to go out and take this game. Even though they played so inconsistent and so poorly for the first three quarters of this game, they had two different opportunities in the fourth quarter going into the wind when you were like, okay... The Bills are going to take a lead. I legitimately had the conversation, if the Bills score a touchdown, do they kick it, even though we just watched Tyler Bass miss a field goal from basically the same distance? Or do they go for two, and then what happens because the Patriots can go down and kick a field goal with the wind at their back and you know ultimately win the game? And they couldn't even get into the end zone. First and goal from the six, they got no points. And then what was it again? Was it first... And 10 from the 15. Yeah, it was around there. It was first and 10 from the 15. They, I think they ran it on first down for one yard. Then they threw an incomplete pass to Diggs. It was the back shoulder throw that was too wide. That wasn't a great pass from Josh. Then Dawson took the false start penalty. It was just... Comp- compilation of errors. Compilation of errors. And they just weren't sharp. The Bills lost this game. Oh, yeah. The yeah. Page, I do not... You know, well, credit no, to- no, 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 no. The Patriots won this game. The The Patriots absolutely won this game. I feel like Bill Belichick won this game. That, yeah, so- their, their defense was awesome. I am not taking that that performance away from... Their defense was awesome. The Patriots... Like, their defense was the awesome. Bills, the Bills did not beat themselves in this one. The Patriots beat them. Like, the Steelers game, the Bills beat themselves. The... I feel like it could be a little bit of both. Uh, I... I feel like there were so many opportunities for the Bills to win this game. I don't think like, I feel like those are self-inflicted wounds. I feel like there's so many just things that could have happened. Well, yeah. I mean, the Patriots also shouldn't have let Nikhil (laughs) Harry's face barely touch the the ball. And then this game isn't even close. That's true. I mean, think about how pathetic that is. The Bills only were able to, besides that play, when they scored on the next play, Mm -hmm. they were only able to manufacture three points in this game offensively. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. New New England was defensively dominant. I think it can be a a little bit of both. Because I do think that the Bills made way too many mistakes in this game and they should have won. No, they deserve no credit for, for what happened today. That's fair. None. None. This is... This is an embarrassing loss. Oh, I don't think they deserve any credit. Yeah. It's a, it's absolutely an embarrassing loss. Yeah. I just think that I mean to this is this was your your season is culminating to this point. You just came away from a, a blowout win over New Orleans where we didn't really learn anything about this team. No. Um because they they beat a very depleted Saints team on the road. And that was coming off a week after getting blown out by the Colts. And it wasn't a blowout. Mm-hmm. You know, to their credit, it wasn't a blowout. But the, Patri- the Patriots executed like an Army-Navy offensive game plan and won. Wasn't Belichick wearing like in the pregame interview a Navy mask? Did oh, you see that? No, I didn't see that. It was very like subliminal messaging like, oh my goodness, this is what they're going to do. And here's the one thing that I will say, and this is, you know, I'm usually pretty optimistic. This is me being pessimistic. We talked about the quarterbacks who they've beaten this year, and we've talked about now, okay, they've got five games left on the schedule, three against teams that you think they should beat Mm -hmm. at home. Well, guess what? They lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars earlier this year. Do I really think? I don't know. They could absolutely lose to Atlanta. Matt Ryan is better than any quarterback they've beaten this year besides Patrick Mahomes. Wow. I know, but he's still better than Davis Mills, and he's better than maybe not Tua because he's playing better. But he's better than Davis Mills. He's better than Jacoby Brissett. You're right. He's better than Taylor Heineke. <laughs> you're, you're, you're explaining this away because he's a little bit better than these guys. But that's what I mean. Like Not I, a high bar. I have no faith that they are going to, I don't know, prove me wrong. I, I, I don't think they're going to beat Tampa. I do not think they're going to go into New England and win that game. And then you have to win those other three games. And I don't love the chances of them winning all three of them. See, 
this is this is kind of weird because I've I've been spending this entire episode wondering what what the future is, but I think they're going to get in. I, I think they're going to go three and two at least. I think there's a chance they go four and one. So, you know, I, I guess it I guess it all really is that chance of going four and one. You think they be, you think they've got a better shot of beating the Patriots or the Bucks? Well, I I have to watch film on the Bucks, but because if they beat the Patriots, but this this um, this coming spot against the Buccaneers on the road away from all the snow globe that is mm-hmm. Buffalo it is this is a spot where I have seen them come through in the past against a superior opponent mm-hmm. and Tampa Bay is a legit Super Bowl contender again I'm just saying I'm not I'm not ruling that out because McDermott defenses have played Brady really well since since McDermott has been here. Yeah. So I'm not ruling that out, despite all of the feelings that people are feeling about this game in particular. That is a spot that I've seen McDermott led teams answer in the past. I so it's just it's just a what we'll see. I think on a very I'm thinking the Bills knew the Patriots were going to run on basically every play tonight and they couldn't stop it. And now you get to go against Leonard Fournette. And then out wide, you have Mike Evans, you have Chris Godwin, and you have Rob Gronkowski playing like it's 2015 again. Yeah, it's going to be daunting, by all means. It's, I mean, it, they lose their 7-6. and six. They're all, They were 4-1. Also, their cornerbacks are kind of depleted. In Tampa, so there are. It's kind of a give and take. Like it, you're, they, yeah. There's more offensive firepower in Tampa, but there's also uh, more opportunity. And the one area that Tampa Bay is awesome on defense is their run defense. And the Bills, the Bills run can't game. run. The Bills don't have a run game, so here you go. That's, this is when there needs to be the give from Sean McDermott. He should just tell Brown, oh, throw it every play if you want to. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's gonna happen. I know, but he needs to. I don't know if it's gonna happen. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's uh, uh, let's go to the awards section, Mr. Beauvais. There's so many awards. And let's start with the Matt Barkley Award for the player that caught you by surprise for a good reason. Uh-huh. So I have I have to pick somebody here. Yeah, you do. Uh, oh, I don't. Ha- oh, you know what? I do have somebody. Uh-oh. Do you want to go first? No, go ahead. Matt Hawk. I, I've been telling you, he, they, they love him. He wasn't that bad today. He wasn't, like... They love him. I get it. Like, I basically, every time he was punting to the scoreboard side of the stadium with the wind in his face, I was basically like, oh, goodness, what's going to happen here? No shanks. No complete whiffs. He also, uh, he also 
on a couple of occasions when the Patriots were sending some heat his way. Quick punts. Yeah, he quick he, punts. He um he stepped up his pace because in past appearances he's gone through like a three step punt uh-huh. and that one I think was like a a two uh, to get it out pretty quick. Yeah, so. not a hack today, a hawk. Wow, you went there. I did. Um, I will go with. <laughs> it's tough it's no. really tough now i'm gonna go with uh dane jackson he had a pass Sh- breakup shut down <laughs> dane- no I, I, I don't think i can give it to dane jackson i'll go with a guy like um i don't know eli anku um yeah he was called up <laughs> and you know he, i think he was out there um let's see let me let me go back and look at his look at his plays here 18 snaps. Didn't really... Uh, well, he's on the field for a 22-yard run. Uh, yeah, but for the most part, they limited things when he was on the field. They had a 22 and a 10. And the rest of them were like 1, 1, 3, 3, negative 1, 6, which was a reverse to Nelson Aguilar. So I'll go with Eli and Koo. Give some Give some love to the, the practice squad. There you go. Dude. Um, okay, how about the, ooh, let's start with the Vontae Davis Award for the player that didn't show up in the second half. We always do the Dre Archer first. We'll start with the Vontae Davis. Player that didn't show up in the second half. Oh, goodness gracious. There are several. I'm going to go, this is a little... I am not blaming the loss on him. I'm going to go with Tyler Bass because Mm -hmm. I think the game, once again, is drastically different if he makes that field goal. And I know the conditions, but what was it? A 33-yarder that he missed? Mm. I think it was a 33-yarder that he missed wide right. And once again, he's kicking into the wind. It's crazy, but it had the length to get there. It just blew significantly to the right as it got towards the goalposts. You know, if he plays a little bit of a slice and he hooks it in there, or excuse me, he slices it in there, then it's a, what is it at that point? A 14, 13 game? Yeah, it's a 14, 13 game at that point. And then when they march down the field at the end and they're at the 15-yard line, then I think they're probably... Run, 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 run. You know how that could have been avoided? Sean McDermott went for going two. for two. Yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna go. That was what did he say after? Uh thought about it, but I was on they were on the other side of the field and it felt felt good about getting the points, getting stops, all that good stuff. So. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with Tyler Bass, but I'm not blaming him. He's been very good this year. I'm gonna go with Matt Breida. Here's, yeah, yeah, that was... here's why. Zero offensive snaps in the second half. Pretty good candidate. IMO, IMO. Pretty great candidate, yeah. Um, all right, now the Dree Archer Award for the player that did not show up at all. Is it... <laughs> <sighs> Tremaine Edmonds? I, I don't know. I don't know what his day looked like. He was going to be my guy to watch the tape, but on the big 64-yard Damian Harris run, it just kind of looked like he got lost out there. I don't know if he over-pursued or what exactly happened, but it looked like if there was going to be anybody who was going to be able to stop that play, it would have been him. And it feels like there were some missed opportunities on his end. From end zone angle, that play looked like that they were really playing the toss in a big way, and no one uh, took hold of the the cut, the cutback opportunity Mm -hmm. for Damian Harris. And so... I, I, I can't remember. I think Tremaine was all the way out wide. So he might have even played that correctly. Um, and maybe it was like the backside fill to, to be able to do that. I also think the defensive end probably has some something to do with, uh, with you know, being able to fill those cutback opportunities to make sure that the, the rush actually goes wide on those toss plays. Um, Micah Hyde completely... Uh, played the toss and he was in a single high look and it looked like that he was um, it didn't wasn't really taking account 
for a potential cutback opportunity. So I think it might have been more than just yeah, Edmonds. Just Edmonds, yeah. Um, and Edmonds might have might have played it correctly. I I, I really like, gotta watch tape. Yeah, well, <laughs> I need I need to go back and see that play. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean Edmonds. I mean they did they did allow a lot of yards. So yeah, we'll we'll see there. Uh, who am I gonna go with? The Dree Archer Award for the player that did not show up at all in this game. Uh, McCorkle. I'm going McCorkle Jones. That's a good one. I mean, three pass attempts. Uh, <laughs> his, his kneel down at the end. <laughs> when he just like, he was trying to run the clock yeah. and then just like, dropped down to the turf it was it was kind of funny and maybe because it was late but can i also give another player sure dawson knox yeah i i I don't know why i didn't think of him first yeah dawson knox really hurt them today Mm -hmm. there was the play that he had and i understand it was a was a first bill's possession of the game allen throws him a pass hits his hands i don't know if he would have got the first down but he would have at least had a shot at it then you had Allen scrambling into the wind on a long third, third and long, and he puts it into Knox's hands. He doesn't come up with it there. Then he has the false start penalty on the late drive. Just a really lackluster day for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now to the gotta watch the table war. Mm-hmm. Matt Bovee. Gotta watch the tape. On uh, this is a tricky one because I feel like I don't want to say the entire. You know what? I'm going to say Ed Oliver. Okay. Got to watch the tape on Ed Oliver because I understand there. Remember the conversation we had two weeks ago after the Colts game and how they basically abused Ed Oliver when running the ball with Jonathan Taylor. I, he was out there for a lot of yards against you. Yeah. It feels like it was a little bit of that again. And I, I understand that they're really now in a bind with the defensive tackles that they have. Like they don't have a ton of amazing options, but I feel like Ed Oliver's strong suit is getting after the quarterback. He's blown up some plays here and there, but I, I got to watch the tape on Ed Oliver because sure. it feels like they were running at him a lot, at least from you know our angle and not getting a chance to see anything back again. Yeah. I've got to watch the tape back to pregame and to see how the heck it happened when the sign that a fan was holding (laughs) blew out of their hand, the wind took it, and then it hit the press box. In the lower bowl, mind you. That's impressive. It it took off. What did it say? I don't know. I couldn't see it. It might it might be down there somewhere. We're still in the stadium right now, but yeah, it uh, it took off and to the point where I'm like, whoa! No one was really watching out there because you know we were all here kind of early and you know watching this stupid weather. Somebody just happen. somebody tweeted out a video of a Zach Moss run when they were first and goal from the six, and it was such a clear lane to bounce it outside. Sorry, this is really bad podcasting, but look at just right into the line. Yeah, I I think it's he's, and this is completely away from the. Uh, sorry, no, sorry, no, it's sorry. fine. No, Zach Moss, I think is in his head about what to do with the ball because they have probably drilled into his brain. Stop pushing it outside mm-hmm. because that has been a tendency of his dating back to college, and so now they're saying, hey. Take the yards you can get. Take the yards you can get. Take what is in front of you. And so to the point in which he's, it really feels like he's just kind of in his head. And it 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 just goes to a personnel thing. I, they, they, just, they just need something better. And they're probably going to address it in a slightly big way in the offseason. I know you're not a golf guy, um, <laughs> but I am. And Zach Moss right now feels like me every time I have a driver in my hand. I'm just kind of swinging and hoping it goes well, but I have no idea what's going to happen. And usually it doesn't go well. And I feel like every once in a while it's good. But more times than not, it's not good. Yeah, that's fair. And I feel like that's Zach Moss right now. Yeah, that's that's completely fair. Um, 
Okay, and then the last one is, and I believe he's still in the press box, the Blaine Gabbert Matthew Fairburn Award for Perseverance. I'm going to give it to Matthew Fairburn. I was going to, I'm so pissed off at you. I was going to absolutely do that. He brought it in the Sean McDermott press conference. He was great. I wasn't going to do it just for the press conference. I was also going to do it for coming out to the set for the pregame show in no coat, no hat, and then I talked to him. Off the, you know, coming out of the commercial, and I go, we're joined by Matthew Fairburn from The Athletic. He's back in Buffalo, and he left his coat at home, and he looks just straight-faced in the way only Fairburn can do, and goes, who's the one from Buffalo here, Matt? <laughs> As I'm in a big coat and a winter hat, and he's standing there in a blazer. And then at the end, he goes, looks like you got to toughen up a little bit. And I'm like, oh, it's just, it's so perfect. He was going to be mine. No, he can, he can, I think... Him being here today, first game back Buffalo, I think I think he's the the Blaine Gabbert Matthew Fairburn Award winner uh, by leaps and bounds. All right, <laughs> so I think that's going to do it for us. Um, a frustrating loss, I'm sure, for many of you to try and process, but you know, hopefully we've brought up some salient pl- points along the way and help maybe you know refocus heading into the next week because you know sky isn't falling, but. They got they got to get their stuff together pretty quick yes. and probably this week. But hey, they can do it because I've seen them do it in the past. So be it as it may. So the Bills lose fourteen to ten. They are seven and five on the season, seventh in oh. AFC standings, and now it's a matter of stacking wins and not allowing this. Three and four stretch over the last seven games to define them, even though it's kind of defining them right now. All right, Matt any uh, fond words of farewell, final words, anything like that? I think we're going to learn a lot about this team in the next five weeks, not just in regards to this season, but really where they go from here. Because it was Super Bowl or bust, for so much of this season, and it looked like that was fair, and the wheels have just fallen off. Mm-hmm. Four and one to seven and five, with losses to the Jags, with a blowout loss to the Colts, with this loss, with a loss so close to the Titans, they have not won a close game. And for this team to even win a playoff game or get into the playoffs, they're eventually going to need to do that. And right now, I don't know if they've, they're have they capable of that. Sorry, ended in on a bad note. Oh, I mean, they technically can get in the playoffs without doing that because they're playing the Falcons, Panthers, and Jets, and they can get to 10-6 and six in that way. So they, they can, mm-hmm. or sorry, 10-7 and seven in that way. They can get in the playoffs because you're telling me the Raiders, Broncos... No, all, and like all those teams in the AFC North still have to play each other. Yeah. So there's going to be some yeah. weird stuff there. So if they get to 10, they're probably in. They get to 10, they're probably in. The Chargers, I think, still have to play the Chiefs. And just like, could you imagine though, if they get in and it's like... And they have to play the Patriots. I was going to say, if they, have, they get in yeah. as the seventh seed and they have to go play the Patriots. New England is in the catbird seat for the, 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 the first round bye at the moment. It's ways. It's wild. Mm-hmm. They what if they have to like? They, what if they play the Patriots? They have won seven in a row. It's crazy. They're hot right now. They're very hot right now. So hot right now. All right. So we'll let all of you stew on uh, what unfolded, and uh, we will reconvene down in Tampa. How about that? Um, well, at least Mr. Bovey and I will reconvene down in Tampa. You'll hear from me before that. We'll uh, do a little preview pod to figure out uh, how these Bills, in their current form, match up against the Buccaneers. See if they can pull an upset down there. Because Tom Brady knows, or Tom Brady has even said, that the Bills are going to be the toughest team that they play all year. That's what he said right after his game. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to catch him by surprise, but we'll, we'll, we'll see how that one kind of... Uh, Kind of rolls. I threw in a Zoolander reference there, and you didn't say anything about it. No, I know. I know you did. I'm not even a big Zoolander guy, but I know you are, so that's why I did it. I used to be. I'm. I cooled off on Zoolander. Doesn't really hold up. Fair. I've, I've like 
I don't know if I've ever even seen the full movie. That doesn't surprise me about you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Seen Elf, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. Seven million times. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so for Matt Beauvais, my name is Joe Biscalia. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Buffalo Beat. If you haven't yet, head over to theathletic.com slash thebuffalobeat. Be sure to get yourself subscribed for the stretch run and potentially for some off-season talk before too long if, if things keep going this way. But, you know, off-season is always fun because it's optimism. Nothing can go wrong in the off-season until it does. All right. So for Bo- for Bove, my name's Joe B. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you next time. See you then.